So anyway, hey, we are really, really blessed and privileged this morning. We've been waiting for this day for a while to just have the right timing and place to bring Pastor Paul Hansen back to minister to us. And, uh, you know, the founding pastor of this church, I know a lot of you have never met him before, um, but he is a man who invested 30 years of his life, him and his family, into this church. And uh, we love and appreciate him. Suzanne has known the Hansons her whole life. And uh, I've known him for a lot of years, long before I came here. And I respect for these people, love them. And uh, Pastor Paul, let's welcome you this morning. Wow, it's awesome to be with you. We're delighted to share worship here once again. And uh, this kind of feels like home. Thank you, Pastor Mark, Suzanne, for allowing us to come. And in particular, to be able to share the word of the Lord with you this morning. I brought a glass of water with me. You know why? Just in case there's a dry preacher, you know, so that's, that's what happens. It's nice to see so many of you that we know. And what's really exciting is to see all of you that we haven't had a chance to meet yet. And that's, that's just awesome, and we're just so delighted for what God is doing here. Uh, God is fulfilling what we have prayed for, worked for for so many years. We... We planted some seed and, and, and watered some, and, and God is continuing to bring the harvest, and we just believe that, uh, as Pastor Mark and Suzanne labor faithfully here, great, great things are going to be in this church, and we are so, so glad for that, and we uh, try to get back here as often as we can. Now, that hasn't happened too much lately because we have, uh, it, it, well, I was thinking it's in two more weeks, Five years ago, I announced my resignation from this church that we were going to be retiring at the end of August, and so it's almost five years ago that that happened, and uh, so some people say, how's retirement? Well, I'm not sure yet, because um, we've been pretty busy, actually. Now, we do get to go to Arizona for three months, so don't feel too sorry for us, but while we're here, we, uh, Superintendent Libby, uh asks us to go and uh, do interim pastorates. Churches that are, Joel Pavia came to be the interim pastor here after uh, we, Monica and I, retired and before Pastor Mark and Suzanne uh, were selected to come here. And uh, so that was a, a number of months. Uh, we do the same thing. We we have done seven interim pastorates so far. Uh, Westlake, Milwaukee, Hawthorne, way up north, DeForest, Brookfield for eight months. Fond du Lac for about eight months last year in Wapaka, uh, for since June through the end of the year. And, uh, so next week we start in Manitowoc actually. And they wanted me to start today, but I said, no, I have something more important to do. So <laughs> I get to be with you and that's really awesome. Thank you. It's a delight to see, uh, I was going to say old friends, Skip, but I shouldn't say that. Skip and Marsh, Endicott, Keeley, and your family, what a delight to see you this morning. Monica ran into Keeley at the Costco yesterday, and uh, Skip was my first board member here, and uh, we had great days together. He and I were the only board for a while, so how about that? He was more bored than I, I think, so. <laughs> I see Colleen and my family over here, uh, and uh, so, Carrie, why don't you stand up, and Eric, at least... And, uh, well, the whole family, why don't you just stand up back there? And, um, and Monica. Yeah, thank you. Get up there, Tim. Tim's, Tim's tall sitting down, so. 
It's nice to have them come and worship with us this morning. And unfortunately, Elijah was just taken out. You know, uh, one month, about six weeks tomorrow he'll be. And so Anna had to take him out and feed him or do whatever you do to babies, right? So we shall see. This morning I want to direct my remarks to a, a subject of, of critical importance. I'll try not to be uh, too long. I, Pastor Mark graciously didn't tell me what time he got out. So that's, that's nice. It reminds me of a story of Pastor Dunn and his wife Gladys, who pastored a church in the Midwest. A good pastor, but really long-winded. And one day, this, this uh, guy came into the church, pretty obviously did in the small church that he had never been there before, but he entered into worship. And at the end of the service, uh, the wife Gladys decided that she should go at least greet the man and talk to him a little bit. So she did. And she went up to him and said, Hello, I'm Gladys Dunn. He said, You aren't the only one. <laughs> so if it gets too long, you just say at the end of the service, Gladys Dunn. <laughs> All seriousness aside, as they say, I, uh, I want to talk this morning about a subject, a teaching of critical import for all of our lives. This uh, strikes at the very deep core of our need as God has created us to be. And uh, I want to talk about the power of acceptance. I was doing uh, some devotional time in Arizona and I was just reading from the first chapters of Genesis. I, I was so caught by this. I've never preached this passage here, I don't think, or any place else, but I, uh, I, I just developed this, uh, this word for us because I want us to understand this, not only for our own lives, but it's important as a church to understand this in our lives because it's in the lives of others and all those people out there who are going to ultimately be encountered by you and come to this place. And uh, so... We, I, want to, I want to talk about that this morning. Some of you remember an old story about Johnny Lingo. Remember Johnny Lingo? Anybody remember that story? Johnny Lingo lived on an on a island in the South Pacific. He was uh, like the most eligible bachelor, best-looking guy on the island. And the custom of the island was that you would, when you wanted to marry some gal, you would go to her father uh, and negotiate uh, a price for her. And it was paid in cows. Remember that? So, uh, you know, as uh, custom was, the young man would go. He would, uh, he would uh, try to negotiate the lowest possible price he could. If he could get the wife for one cow, you know, well, that was a feather in his cap. And nobody ever paid over three cows. Johnny Lingo chose a young lady who was absolutely uh, shy, backward, she would hide. She wasn't out in society at all of the people of the island. And, uh, I mean, her father thought she was a nothing and no one. And, uh, and so did everybody else except for Johnny Lingo. He saw the beauty in this, in this gal. And so he went to the father and he, when they negotiated the, the, the sum, he said, I will give you eight cows for her. Well, that was unheard of. The father laughed. He said, I would give her to you for one cow, you know, just to get, get her off my hand. Who is going to want her? 
Well, they negotiated the price. They had to, had to go get her out of the woods because she was hiding, and, and he took her off for a year honeymoon. When she came back, she was absolutely gorgeous, poised and beautiful and gorgeous because her being accepted, respected, valued, had transformed her life. And you know that's what God does to us. And I want to talk about that this morning, but I want to talk about it kind of from the, from the opposite side of that coin. Because what happens if you do not get the acceptance? What happens if you don't feel the acceptance of God or get the acceptance of mom and dad or others in society? What happens? We want to look at that. So let's, let's just pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, let your word come alive to us today as we, as we speak of it. We just want you to, to show us your heart, our lives, and your will for us. Not only for each of us and our well-being, but all of those out here who yet do not know you, but are going to because you are going to receive them to yourself. And we bless you for that today, and we thank you for your, your grace here in Jesus' name. Amen. So the point of the message is this. Acceptance is indispensable for each of our lives. Just uh, want you to come with me this morning as I unpack the great psychological and practical truth of this passage in Genesis 4. So let us read uh, the Word, and uh, let me... Let me just uh, take you back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. It's probably on your notes in the bulletin, uh, as I'm accustomed to, to do, so you can follow along there, fill in the blank if you want. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Abel, or to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And then just uh, skip the rest of those verses, just to, down to verse 16. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. I'm praying that none of you end up in the land of Nod this morning, so hopefully you'll stay awake with me for a little while. All right. Let's just work through this. Three things of real import here. Number one is this, that we understand that God has created us to be great. Let me explain. God has placed a very high value on each of us. We just celebrated Christmas and Easter, 
the great events of human history. And, that, and we rejoiced that God sent Jesus to be our Savior. That is high value on us, right? The God of heaven comes to give Himself so we can be saved. God shows us in the opening verses of the Bible this truth as well. In the creation story, God has made the world and then formed Adam. And after He formed Adam, he cre after He created him, he, he took a rib from Adam's side and formed Eve. And she, as you know, was the most beautiful person of the world. I mean, all beauty was in her DNA. And Adam as well. When Adam awoke from his God-induced sleep, Adam called her woman. He said, because she was taken out of the man. Now the Hebrew word for man is ish, I-S-H. You ladies ever heard of the famous male ego? Here it is. This is where it comes from. Ish means, I'm great. It means a champion, strong, high, worthy. Right, guys? <laughs> you say, some ego, huh? But remember, this is before sin. There's no self involved here because selfishness is the essential principle of sin. So self isn't involved here. He's just speaking the truth. Because that's what God made him to be. So God created Adam in His image. And as God is great... He intended for a man to be great as well, a champion, strong, mighty. The Hebrew word for woman is just the feminine of that, isha. And the feminine means she's great. She's the champion. A real beauty here, right? You see, God intended for a man and a woman to be great as individuals, but also great together. Pastor Mark was just talking about believing in marriage. Great together. There's much to be said about that, but that's for a different teaching. Suffice it to say that God places high value on us. Secondly, God created us to be accepted. There's a great verse in Romans that says, Therefore accept one another just as Christ has accepted us for the glory of God. Now, the Greek word, you know I'd get to that, didn't, didn't you, though? <laughs> Proslambano. And it means to take toward, to draw to oneself. God has drawn us to himself. He has welcomed us to himself, you see. The command of the Lord is to accept ourselves and others just like he has drawn us to himself. So we are to do that to those around us, we had a greeting time this morning, drawing people to ourselves, right? Welcoming them, uh, opening ourselves to them. Just That's what God has done to us, and we are to do that for and to each other. When we do that, God's glory is revealed. It's for the glory of God. The radiance of God, the glory is the radiance of God's presence. And the radiance of God's presence shines out of you when you open your heart in acceptance. Now what if you don't feel great? Well, what if you're sitting here this morning, you don't feel like you're accepted, valued, respected, etc.? What if you don't feel approved? What if that pervading sense that hangs over our lives 
is because of our own failure or perceived valuation of others around us. You see, this has practical application and societal consequences. We are all too aware of Aurora and Columbine, Virginia Tech and Newtown. Closer to home, it's revealed in judgmental attitudes and critical expressions and gossip and ostracizing or condemnation of others. This strikes at the core of our society and even our own lives. So it brings us to the lessons of the story of Cain and Abel. Because in Genesis 4, we have a picture of the first society. That was only four people at that point. But this is what is recorded as as God shows it to us. You see, they are bringing offerings to God, and that's the issue. After the fall, or when the fall happened, sin entered the world, and Adam and Eve are no longer allowed to live in the Garden of Eden, which means the pleasant place. They begin this family, two sons, Cain and Abel. In the process of time, when they're grown, Cain becomes the farmer, Abel the shepherd. And they both bring a sacrifice to God. Cain from among the produce of the crops he harvested. Abel, note, from the firstling and the, and the most choice portions of his flock. And it says God looked intently on that. Sha'ah, the Hebrew word means to look with interest. He looked intensely at their offerings. And Abel's first and best got God's approval. Cain's bringing, not the first in Beth, but just from among the common produce, found no approval or acceptance from God. What's God doing here? He is setting forth a principle very early in humankind. And the, and the principle is this, that God, man is always to give God his first and best. It's the first day of the week, we're here doing what? Giving him our best in worship. In the morning we get up, First and best, we give Him devotional time. That's why we give Him the first of our income, the tithe. The first and best, you see. And God knows that if man brings from what is among the common, what we use for ourselves, we will soon degenerate into seeing God as just common. Not holy, separate, special. That's why we bring the tithe to the Lord. And we find God's approval and blessing. Now note the sequence of reaction of Cain when he was not accepted. Two things are are noted here very strongly in the Hebrew text. Then he was hot. That would be a pretty literal translation of the Hebrew word for, for anger. He was wroth, angry exceedingly. Then his countenance, his face fell. His face was downcast. He was depressed. And we know that anger held in leads to depression, right? We, we, we understand that. So, you see, we, we are made to be ish, Isha. But now, he is not respected, not accepted, not approved, and feels unworthy. And when we are not accepted, the result in our lives is this anger. Columbine, all those things, right? Harah, the Hebrew word for anger, is the event that gets you heated as it hooks into your inferiority. 
It can increase until it erupts into flame and feeds the flame until it's a raging fire on the inside. In my opinion, that's what's happened. We had Aurora, Newtown, Columbine, and the like. Because when we are disrespected, we don't feel we fit into society, you see. We're not approved. Then our inferiority is triggered and anger is the result and all kinds of things can happen. You see, greatness is displaced by a sense of this inferiority, this insignificance. The result is anger. Now, where does that inferiority come from? Because we all have a dose of it. Isn't anybody that doesn't have a dose of that? Why? Because all have sinned and what? Come short. If you look up that word, the Greek word is hystereo. We get our word hysterical from that. And it simply means to be inferior to. Not measuring up. You see? So all have sinned. All have this inferiority. And the question is, what does that look like in us? I got a book, uh, in a behavioral science book club I belonged to some years ago. And, uh, this book uh, was offered, and I, uh, I took it. It's called Escaping the Hostility Trap. It was by a psychiatrist, Milton Layden. I don't know if he was a Christian or not. He should have been. His, his, uh, his word was uh, very biblical, I thought. And so this is what he said. And I've left these, this little formula. This will help you understand yourself and everybody else around you. This is what he said. Inferiority produces... Several things. The A is anxiety. All the fears, phobia, worry, all that stuff. Where does that come from? When I'm worrying, it means, hey, I'm, I feel inferior to this situation. I'm not measuring up. Somehow I'm not, not, not coming up with what I need to. Secondly, he called it uh, obsession with oneself, which he characterized as meism. Because the person who's inferior is always thinking about, I wonder how I'm coming across. I wonder how, if they like me. I wonder how I look. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And a lot of times they're drawing attention to themselves all the time because they're so concerned about people and how they look because they don't feel accepted. Thirdly, hostility. Here's the big one. All the anger, you see. The criticalness. All that stuff. Hostility. Fourthly, he calls it the superiority mirage. You know, we, we act real big, real tough, you know, better than, you know, every hair's got to be in place or I can't go out in public, you know, uh, because somebody will think less of me or whatever, you know, or we we got to be the best in something. So we, you know, when I was growing up, <clears throat> when I was a young guy, like some of, some of these guys down here, you know, we'd, we'd put our collars up, roll up our shirt sleeve to show our skinny arms, I mean our muscles, and, you know, and, uh, you know, pull the, pull the pants down quite a ways, had this little skinny belt, you know. And we were really cool, and we thought we were, you know, showing how, how good we were. That was all, that's all that stuff to mask what's really going on. So when you see that, you just know right away, whoops, inferiority, getting all covered up here. And finally, martyring. It's the blame game. Because the one who's inferior can seldom ever say, Oh, forgive me, I was wrong. Because it's like if you ever say, I'm wrong, it's like you die. You're like you affirm what you feel inside. So, so this, this is a, an incredible formula that 
that He left for us. So whenever you're angry, like Cain was, you ask yourself, who or what's making me feel inferior right now? You see somebody else who's angry, you, you know, the problem is they hook us. They often hook us. They, you get hooked in your inferiority because they'll say something to you and now you're hooked in your own inferiority and uh, then, you, then, the, then the, the fight's on or whatever. But you ask yourself when you see somebody else who's angry, who or what is making them feel inferior? And it's all a product of sin. Where we came up short and we didn't get God's approval anymore and now uh, that, that works out in our society and in our lives. So you have to understand, somebody else is mad. It's not about you. It's about them. How do I know that? Well, God says it right up front. He says, He says to Cain, let me give you a literal translation. This is the Hansen version. For what reason are you angry in regard to yourself? Isn't that interesting? For what reason are you angry toward yourself? God puts the issue squarely in focus because anger is always towards ourselves when we fail. It's all about us. Why is your countenance fallen? The Hebrew word can be inferior. Anger, the feeling of anger from non-acceptance affects the way you look. Because biblically, what's inside radiates on the face. So if you want to stay beautiful, don't nurse anger, hold grudges, unforgiveness, harbor feelings of negativity toward yourself or others. It shows in your face. The inferiority of your heart mirrors in your looks. And so God gives this great psychological principle here. He says to Cain, if you do right, you will feel right. Will not your countenance be elevated, lifted? Absolutely. Do good, feel good. Because disobedience makes us feel inferior, does it not? Makes us depressive. But Cain didn't do right and he didn't feel better. In fact, he nursed his anger until there was conflict. So we got this issue about he's, he's just really ticked off. And they go out in the field and they start this conversation. It just escalates and escalates. Now, you know, conflict, I left this on your notes because this is important to understand. Conflict has three levels, this low, mid, and a high level. And at the lowest level, the goal of that when we have this little conflict is to solve it, right? Let's get it done. Let's get it taken care of. Forgive 70 times 7, all that kind of stuff. So we just need to get it taken care of at that low level. But if it isn't taken care of then, and escalates into this mid-range, and that takes kind of a long time, usually in the low level. But if it gets into the mid-range, then the, then the goal is no longer to solve it. Now it's to win. You see that in divorce. Where you could solve the problem, and then now when you got the attorneys in, then and you can't talk to each other anymore. Now you get all this misunderstanding, and now we're just going to win. See, and then as that goes along, ultimately what happens? Now that now the goal is no longer to win; it's to destroy. I'm going to ruin you. I'm taking everything you have. I'm you know whatever. 
Who does that sound like? Sounds like the enemy, doesn't it? I mean, Cain could have solved the issue right up front. All he had to do was go bring the best, the first and the best. But he didn't do the right thing. He allowed that anger to heat and until he was, he, until he had to not only win, but destroy the one who had approval. Jesus said, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What does that mean? He wants to cheat you out of your potential for being an Ish or Isha person. He wants to kill your potential, keep you in your inferiority and your anger, and cause you to waste, squander your life and its potential for usefulness and good to the glory. The glory of your ability to reflect God, you see. that When we have God's glory in our lives, and we're living to His glory, then we're reflecting God. Not all that junk inside of us, but we're reflecting God. And you see, destruction is not biblically about killing somebody. It is about wasting your life. The life God planned for you. That's what's happening in our life of sin, you see. And you know that. You say, yeah. In fact, some of us would not even be here this morning. Except we, God had, had grace on us and, and Pastor Mark had led you to the Lord or someone else here. You, you see, because you'd be already dead from an overdose or whatever. But the issue is, you would have your, your potential for what God created you for would be absolutely destroyed. And so we have to understand our deep need for acceptance, first of all from God, then from others. And what is the church's task towards people out there? Acceptance. There but for the grace of God go I, right? We're no better than anybody who is a sinner. We're just better than we would have been if we were still in our sin. So we, we're, that's not about that. We, we, we are, when the church gets this principle down and then reaches out in acceptance, don't you see how powerful that can be? Now, let me go to the third point. God has created us to be redeemed. And how do we solve this issue that's so prevalent in our lives? We have to understand the power of acceptance. And Milton Layden, in his book, says this, Hostility decreases in proportion to the increase in acceptance. The more we feel accepted, the less, you see, will be our hostility. Is that the task of the church or what? The more a person feels accepted, the less anger, anxiety, you know, all of those things. How does that work out for us? Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, We are accepted in the Beloved. Who's that? Thank you, Jesus. Do you understand this morning? He accepts you. You come to Him... You bring your first and best to Him. What does that mean? You give Him your life. He that comes to me, I will no way turn aside. I won't cast you aside. You're coming. He's accepting. 
Totally, totally up to you this morning. To the, he, he says, in, Paul writes these words, To the praise of the glory of His grace, His favor, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. How did He do that? In Him we have redemption through His blood. We just celebrated Easter, Good Friday, all of that. Where Jesus died and spilled His blood so that we could be accepted by the God of heaven. You say, but look at all the stuff I've done. My conscience is so guilty. That's why Jesus died. You know what forgiveness means? Aphesin is the Greek word which means to release, to let go. He lets all of that go. So God looks at you like you had never sinned. God looks at you as you are pure and holy and special, just like God. And how, what do I have to do about that? To get that, simply say, Jesus, I'm sorry that I've made such a mess of it. I've, I've sinned. I've done wrong. Come into my life. Forgive me. I want to be yours. And bingo. Just like that in heaven. You see, you are in God's acceptance. His approval. He always loves you. But you are approved to be His, His child forever and ever. The word acceptance in the New Testament comes from the word grace. It has its roots in grace. It means because the blood of Jesus and its power to forgive sin, God has graced us, made us acceptable, highly favored us, imbued us with special honor as His sons and daughters. It is the gracious gift He gives us that brings us joy and buys us back to our initial status with God. So that we can fulfill our potential. We can achieve God's approval and reflect His greatness. What power this acceptance has for us. For healing our own sense of inferiority. We no longer need to hold the anger, the unforgiveness. We're free to be forgiven and to forgive. We're free to be, to be accepted and to accept. Remember Milton Layden's words? Inferiority. And the resulting hostility, anxiety, mirage, superiority, mirage, the blaming, etc., is reduced in proportion to acceptance. And God has totally accepted us. And in Christ's blood sees us again as pure and holy and the potential restored for our doing great things for God. If you believe in that blood, let all the rest go. If you believe in that blood, you are accepted. You can just let the rest go. Let the grace, the favor, the love of God wash your soul. And feel that you are one with Him and that He favors you and you are special before Him. You see the power of accepting others now? You can reduce their anxiety, their, you know, their hostility, their obsession with themselves, their superiority, need to feel superior, uh, the need to blame everybody else. You see that? You just open your heart and you just accept them. What power the church has. Jesus has taught us the way. He's shown us how to do this. Just opening our heart, laying down our lives for people. It is, it is amazing power. You can overcome their inferiority with your acceptance so that they will receive God's acceptance 
and let that inferiority be washed away. Do you realize how great the church would be if we could just not live with that inferiority sense anymore? We could just get on with it? How many people come and see you, Pastor, because of that stuff or complications thereof, right? We just say, okay, the past is the past. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm special before God. That doesn't mean we should have any pride about that because it's not us. It's all Him. But we just get on with doing what God wanted us to do. This church can be so great for God in this community. You have good leadership. You're ready. You're just ready to, to, to bust out the seams and go where God wants you to go. Just lay aside all of that. Open your heart. Receive from God and give what you receive. Let me close here. God says to Cain, where's your brother? What did he say? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Word keeper, shamar, means to protect. So let me ask you this morning, where is your brother? Where is your sister? You can fill in the name. The one you were angry at, the one you got, who got the approval instead of you, the promotion. Where is she or he? Is that one hurting? Or where is the one who has not been accepted? There's someone you can draw to yourself. You know, it's easy to say, I don't know, am I their keeper? You know, am I the one to protect that, their reputation, their approval, the way people respect them? We know the answer to that, don't we? Pretty easy to figure out. So what does that mean for us here today? Well, just Let me just recapitulate this now. Just know, each of us have and will fail. And people will fail us. That's a part of our human nature. Secondly, the failure will trigger a sense of inferiority. Every time we fail, that's what happens. And we will need someone to accept us, to value us, to give us approval in spite of our failure. So we should make a declaration here and now that says something like this. I will be the one who accepts and decreases the inferiority in myself and others. I will accept God's grace and forgiveness, and will be quick to give it to others. I will be my brother's keeper. But if we don't, the tragedy of Cain's life is summed up in verse 16. He went out from the presence of the Lord. Now the word presence in the Hebrew comes from the Hebrew word pane, which means the faces of. See, when we are saying, God, we want to see your presence here this morning, what are we saying? We want to see your faces, God. Because to be before one's face is to be in the presence. So he went out from before the faces of God. What a tragedy. You see, what we risk if we don't forgive and accept and approve and all of that, we risk people going out from the presence of God or ourselves going away from God's presence. That would be a tragedy because when you go away from God's presence, you are going to end up a shipwreck. God, you see, God's grace brings us in and embraces us to Himself. And He loves us so much. He just wants your best. The reason He created you to be the person you are. The good news is 
We can be accept, we are accepted in the beloved and we can accept, accept each other and draw each other in and we can, can fulfill greatness. We can be Ish and Isha, if you please. I know in a place like this this morning, all of us know what I'm talking about. <laughs> because we've all been there. And if you grew up in a home where there was criticalness and you didn't feel accepted or approved of or you were somehow abused or whatever, then this is especially real for you. And I want you to know God's healing power is for you today. His grace is greater than all my sin. His favor, His acceptance, His love can wash that away. You see? Because all you have to do is understand how great God thinks you are and how much He loves you and how special you are. It doesn't matter who, what anybody else thinks because this one fact heals our lives so that we can get on with it and be the person God wants us to be and love and accept the way He wants us to accept. So if you're here this morning, I'm going to pray in just a moment. I want you to be healed. I want you to just understand that great thing. And maybe you're here today and you really don't know that you are accepted by God. You don't, you don't know that because you've never said, Jesus, come into my life. You've never understand that you're just kind of living in that land of inferiority, so to speak, and you're trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and you're trying to make it yourself. I'll tell you what, God has already made the way. And it's so easy. Jesus, come into my life. I accept what you've done. Forgive me. Set me on a new course because if you're in Christ, you're a brand new creation. Hold things pass away. All things become brand new, fresh, and you're on your way. You come to this church and you get, you'll get taught and discipled and led along the way and, uh, and God will grow your life and fulfill you beyond your wildest dreams. What a great plan God has. And right away in Genesis, He just lays it out for us. Let's just pray this morning. Just bow your head, will you? Father, we need your approval today. For in a room like this, I know there are numbers of us that have grown up in homes where there was a lack of respect and approval. I know that life has dealt some blows that made us feel as failures. And our inferiority has been hooked in. We have not known how to rid ourselves of it. But on this day, we get it from your word. And it's the power of your grace in accepting us, highly favoring us, who come to You through the blood of Your Son, Jesus, our Savior. So come into our lives. Change our hearts and minds. Let us feel how much You love and accept us, O oh Lord Jesus, I pray. And let us go from here to love and accept one another. We ask in Jesus' name. Why don't all of you just pray a prayer after me this morning? If you're here today and you haven't known Jesus Christ... This is your moment to say, Jesus, come into my life. I, I accept you. I'm just going to have everybody pray this prayer out loud. And you just pray right along with them. 
Because if you come into the family of God, that's the greatest place you'll ever be. Not only that, but it guarantees you a place in heaven. It's better than the hell that's awaiting those of us who don't, who don't accept Christ. So God has such great things for us. All we need to do is pray. So just everybody pray after me, will you? Father in heaven, I come to you right now through the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to die on a cross to forgive my sin and to make me your child. I'm sorry that I have sinned. I've done so many things that have displeased you. And I'm so sorry. But today I accept you. I accept what you did on the cross when my sin was laid on you. You died in my place so that I could live with you forever. I accept you into my heart today. Accept me into your family today. And let me live with your approval forever. I love you, Lord. Thank you for coming into my life and saving me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor, thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Paul, for a great message. You did understand what he said, that God accepts us so that we can now go and accept others. You're going to go into, uh, into hundreds of different places tomorrow morning. You're going to go into your workplaces. You're going to go into your family situations. You're going to go into to all these different places. And God has sent you there on purpose to be His acceptance in that place. The church world has been labeled forever as being, as being critical and unaccepting. And we understand that we're supposed to be accepting and loving. Right? And so that's your commission for this week. Go and look at who you can bless by accepting them. Who you can bless by, by welcoming them. Put your arms around them and say, God loves you and so do I. Right, church? Let's stand together. Thank you so much, Lord, for your grace. Thank you that you love us in spite of ourselves. And Lord, we, we receive that commission now. We receive, first of all, the grace that you give us so we can live in acceptance. But now, God, we receive your commission to go to our friends and family, our coworkers and our neighbors, and be your love to them and accept them, Lord God, so they can come to know you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. Have a great day in Jesus. Have a wonderful day.